And you've got your recording devices over there, okay? Oh, my recording device is full on red, so that is a good sign. Right, let's press the buttons. Welcome back to Coach Class with me, Dom Birch. This is the podcast where I get to speak to fellow coaches about their area of expertise, but also what brought them to the world of coaching and how do they apply all of their knowledge and experience and worldliness to the thing that they do now. And I'm absolutely delighted to welcome onto the podcast this week, Ben Cook. Now, Ben is an experienced, value-driven, agile professional and also a highly qualified coach. He assists businesses, teams and individuals, and he helps them find effective ways of defining and responding to the world around them. And he does that through a mix of coaching, agile consulting one-to-one personal or business coaching, training and mentoring. Now, all of that sounds rather hunky-dory, Ben. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Tom. It's very nice to be here. Well, listen, now let's go back a little bit, right? Let's reverse out of being coaches. What was it that brought you to coaching? What, what was your sort of routine that, that opened up this whole new world to yourself? Oh, God, this is a tricky one. So I'm from a software engineering background, and I got into that because I was always interested in how humans and people work with technology. But you know what it's like as you're growing up, you, you're told, make sure you have something to fall back on. So I became a software engineer. And my second big job in engineering, I was working in the music industry, making websites for lots of household names. It was like merchandise for Robbie Williams and ticketing sites for people at like the Arctic Monkeys. And it was a really interesting environment, but it was also very, very high stress. And... Over like two years of working in this organization, um, I look back and realized that I hadn't been developed and I hadn't, I hadn't felt like there was much coming back to me as a, as a person who was doing those late nights, who was being told at 10 a.m. one morning, well, we're going to have to do an all-nighter to meet this deadline for such and such a band. And I thought, God, there must be a kind of a, a better, more humane way to, to make technology and to work around these software and engineering products. So in a, in a later role, the organization wanted to adopt this this approach to making software called Agile, which in a nutshell really is trying to make software in a way which is sustainable, which is value-driven. It doesn't make those assumptions early on that nothing will change over the course of the engineering. So many big, large-scale engineering and software development things over the years have had this idea of requirements done 18 months ago, uh, and then you slavishly follow that way. And Agile is a way that's helped adapt your software, but also work with your teams in a way which is sustainable and humane, because you know people are human beings. We're not working with machines who are making the, the software. Um, and I, I transitioned to that. And today, I'm I'm lucky enough to be working in some of these awesome tech organizations making cool products and a really good research and new things in technology, but I'm also I also have a footing in making sure that's done in a humane, uh, sensitive way, which is going to help you create better products anyway, because you're going to have happier people and happier teams. I love that, and I, I love that you know this sort of idea of how you actually help technology be successful is by remaining sort of curious almost so sort of taking the brief but not assuming that everything is locked down or that everything will work first time and of course there's like so many metaphors there with coaching someone right or helping a team to perform better if if, if a team is sort of almost inherently dysfunctional but maybe made up of great you know ingredients how do you sort of 
allow that team to emerge and understand how it can perform better. So there must be loads of things that you sort of have learned professionally that then when you've decided to become a coach, you thought, hang on a minute, this also makes sense in a sort of different paradigm in a different way. Absolutely. And and it totally, the coaching ideas and concepts behind coaching totally apply to how you make technology. I mean, if you think about your career on your, I don't know, 16th birthday, you didn't have a plan for exactly what you'd be doing right now today on this day in April in 2023. Um, and it'd be ridiculous to have that set and to expect it to come true. And yet on a maybe a shorter scale, organisations all over the world are doing that. They're putting a lot of money behind making these very, very solid plans that make them feel very, very safe, but don't necessarily result in them making very good software um, or good solutions for people. Uh, and that is what we do in coaching, isn't it? We have this loose idea of what we might want to achieve. But if we maintain a mindset where we're flexible about how we might get there and we can experiment and try things out, then ultimately we'll get to a better destination. And did you find yourself starting to sort of almost like adopt a coaching stance before you actually then, be, you know, trained to be a properly qualified coach? Did you find that you were already sort of adopting that approach in the way that you led teams or the way that you helped teams develop? Absolutely. And what I should say as well, and this is, isn't always pointed out enough, that as agile agile coaches, in quotes, we are quite unfortunately named because although coach is in the title, our work is a is a mix of uh, training, consulting, mentoring, and ca- and that capital C coaching. It's not just that coaching; it has all those those are the skills. But the best agile coaches have invested in that coaching skill because that you need that to be able to deal with the other professions or other um, stances that I've mentioned. Effectively, you need to be able to be variable in the moment, and coaching really teaches you to be like that. It teaches you to be flexible with how, what your stance is and to work with what's in front of you. And on your website, you talk about creating clarity, resilience, and quality in your team. Talk me through, you know, I don't want you to give away all your secret sauce, right? But, <laughs> but, but you know, like imagining, you know, that in, the, in some of the projects you've been working on recently, how, how does that sort of manifest itself? This is a really interesting thing. So Agile as a thing in organisations has been going for about 20 odd years now. And we often get called in as as agile coaches to go and make our teams agile or help us create an agile organization. But that actually means many, many things to many people. And it is very common for consultants to go into organizations and they've got their own assumptions for what the client needs and wants. But through a a coaching stance, one of the big things that, that coaching has taught me is to improve that sense of contracting or those skills of contracting when you go into that organization. So they might want to be this kind of organization, but going through with them and sitting with them to define what does that mean to them? What will that get them? Ultimately, what kind of business do they want to be? Because Agile is only really the tool, right? That, that helps us get much, much better results. So coaching has improved how I am with the stakeholders and setting up an engagement before I go in there. And also along the way to be able to be more adaptable and to be sense checking how, how are things working and be able to steer that ship as things change as, as we go along the way. Do you know what's coming up for me? It just reminds me when I left Asda. Like, so I spent, I don't know what, 18 years working in big, big companies in-house and then making that transition to them being on the other side of the fence and being the consultant and learning actually where was my place and what was my role. And what I found 
you know, quickly, sometimes by getting it a little bit wrong, was that my role when I came into an organisation that felt very familiar because it was like, okay, I know what this is like. It's a big company with politics and different dynamics between teams. And actually the person I'm trying to consult my sort of professionalness with, the thing they're really challenged with is how do they influence their boss to give them more budget? Or how do they get credit for the work that they're working on? Or how do they... Yeah. basically stop doing a load of stuff because it's meaningless and just focus on the thing that's going to have impact. And it's sort yeah. of like indirectly then became this sort of mirror, this sort of opportunity just to sort of help them clarify what they really wanted. It was very different to what I expected. I thought I was going to come in and kind of like just be doing a bit of my old job for them, but actually having to let go and sort of almost coming in every month was like, wow, that was a really sort of like, oh, this is what it's like to be a consultant. And, and and also that fear that I was coming in and, you know, the classic thing they say about consultants when you come in that you're borrowing their watch to tell them the time. But there was an aspect of people were missing the time completely. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a good point. I've been very lucky in my career. I'd, I've been doing this agile thing since 2008. And then later on in about 2012, 2013, the company I was with at the time made a huge investment in really upskilling us to, to be not just agile people in the company, but to be kind of you know, world standard, good, good agile people. And I worked with a, an agile coach called Dan Brown, who's known in, in my community as Kanban Dan for the, the Kanban method, which he does a lot of work with. And he said to me very early on when I met him, that if you think your job is to sell to people, an agile way of doing things, you're already on a back foot. And I think people often mistake consulting, capital C consulting, and even agile coaching as you're going in selling them an approach to do X or Y. When I would always argue that even in consulting, the best consultants are those that work in that middle of that scale between are you the pair of hands that's going to go do something for the client and hand it over to them? Or are you at the other end of the scale, a consultant that will go and tell the client what to do? I think the best consulting is in the middle there where you're actually sitting with that, that client and you're understanding what they need and you're trying things out with them and you're in that mutually beneficial relationship. Mm. And weirdly, that is very, very like coaching. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. For years, my experience of big name consultancies, especially being in organisations I'd worked in, was very negative and it was at either end of that scale that they're, they're there to tell, like you were saying, use the current watch to tell them the time. Mm. Um, or they were developing a thing that may or may not fit the brief and throw it over the wall. And for years, I was really not comfortable calling myself that, that kind of that C word, consultant. Yeah. But actually, the, like I say, the, the best consulting is where you are working with that client and you're in that, that mutually beneficial relationship towards those goals. And you're variable as to what those goals are along the way. And, you know, that is coaching to be to a, a, to a form of a better word, I, I believe. And and also there's a sort of time stamp around it, isn't it? There's almost like a start, a middle and an end. And being yeah. comfortable that actually you might have served your purpose, you might have really served them well, and there's a time then that it is right to sort of reverse out and allow them to carry on without you. And that transition was quite strange for me, coming out of a lot of employment to going – Actually, there's a natural end to this. And then similarly, when you're coaching an individual, similarly, you know, often it might be five, six sessions or whatever, but but you have to go through that sort of transition of being comfortable letting them go. I was chatting to John McNestry about uh, on a previous podcast, and he was saying, you know, that's one of the things he, he struggles with is, is sort of letting go and needing to know, you know, how are they doing without me? Or why don't they invite me to the Christmas party? You know, that was my thing when I first had a client. It's like, I want to go to the Christmas party. Aren't I one of the team? Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. 
sometimes people feel I'm being a bit fatalistic, but when I'm certainly when I'm in technology organizations and I'm, I'm working with teams, there'll be a point early on where I'll say, look, I really, really like you, but I don't want to be with you forever. Um, you know, the best thing I can do, the best thing I can I can do with you is to leave with you having all the skills that you do not need me. And if you're used to having traditional consultancies around you, that will seem really, really weird. Like, what on earth is he saying? You know, they start locking the windows in case I'm about to jump out the window or something <laughs> or commit some kind of act. Um, but, yeah, that, that is the, the best thing we can do. We're here to create resilience and skills and competence in people and then have the professionalism to see when they have that that level that they don't need us and or, or be able to step away and so they can see us less frequently. The the teams and the managers I've worked with over the years um, that have affected me the most have actually become people who have stuck around in my career and they might pull me in for this here and there, but they very, very often will tell me that they're very pleased that, that I had the approach that I did and that I kind of guided them, but there was a point where, you know, they were fine to jump in the deep end or to where it didn't feel so deep, or that they were able to go on their own two feet quite happily. And, and that's the really privileged thing I think coaching and uh, my agile consulting and coaching work really, really gives me. I'm very lucky. Yeah, it's a real it's it's a real confidence thing. If you have the confidence to let go, just knowing that, you know, the universe will take care of itself and these things will, you know, circulate back around in the future. As you're sort of looking out now, Ben, then, right, we're sort of coming out of, uh, you know, I hate to talk about COVID, right, but we are definitely out of that period of time, which was a really strange world, which forced lots of people to work remotely that weren't doing that previously that made organizations become far more flexible but also we lost certain things through that right where people coming together physically in a location for a period of time to do intensive work and i imagine like sometimes agile sprints you know actually being in a room that where you can literally share a pizza together was kind of a way of working right what's your view as you look at the sort of madness of the world of work looking out how do you see things sort of panning out now is there sort of a new normal emerging are we regressing have we lost stuff you know what's what's your sort of perspective as you look out to the organizations that you you support gosh i could talk about this for a long time and, and if <laughs> feel free <laughs> and whenever whenever you open up twitter or linkedin there's always someone with a with an extreme view at one end of that scale of uh, everyone in the office all the time through to working at home um i, I think the I think that debate is a bit of a red herring because you don't necessarily need to be in the office every day to be an agile organization or an agile team. But I think any any organization needs to have some kind of adaptable model where you can recognize that if all of your communication, for example, is in a an asynchronous way, there will be certain things that you, you lose out on. Um, organizations where that I've worked with that have been totally remote have often struggled to create the connectedness that organizations that have more of a hybrid model have. And that affects how quickly teams can gel and how, how well people get to know each other. That's not to say it's, it's the wrong thing um, to, to be totally remote, but I think many organizations don't really always seem to have made a conscious decision. It seems they've just fallen into that, those ways. I've recently started a new venture with an organization I work with called Beliminal, um, and we've created an online facilitation course because we feel quite strongly that one of the legacies of the pandemic has been horrendous online facilitation. And I think that's often been because of the shock that we all had in 2020 of suddenly everyone jumping to Zoom. Sometimes we brought our, our ways of working that maybe weren't working in person, but have maybe been amplified even more 
when we're in an online setting. So some of the work that, that I'm doing with Bluminal is we're, we're trying to equip people with some of those skills so that if they if they are working in an online space or in a hybrid space, how do they do that consciously and how might they adapt or pivot the ways that they work so that they can work in the best way for whatever that medium is? Mm. So this sounds like a very long, it depends, and but it really does. And it's about consciously what are you walking into and what are the payoffs for where along that scale you decide you're going to work. I, I think that's right. I mean, I bumped into, there was a, something on Twitter the other day from a, there was somebody called Donna Sarker, who's at Microsoft, right? And just bumped into something she said, and she was like, everyone that says we should get 10,000 steps a day, that's almost five miles. Fine when I'm traveling and wandering around cities, but never managed to do it during a normal work day in Seattle, right? So how do you do that? How do you manage going desk jobs, blah, 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 right? And, and my thought was was similar to how I do podcasts, right? Turn one of your daily meetings into an audio-only meeting, right? No video. Everyone sets off at the same time. It's ideal for one-to-ones, right, and coaching, but, you know, it can work for slightly larger groups. And it's really interesting. A mate of mine, Stuart, who's a PR futurist, right, he was like, I'm a huge fan of walking meetings, but avoid audio-only because, you know, like the plague, I detest phone calls, right? We've had video calls since 2013. Why go back in time? But, you know, this idea that for different organisations, for different people, technology is brilliant as an enabler, but sometimes the ability just to connect through voice whilst walking outside in nature can be hugely beneficial. And I found that not being in an office, I don't really miss it. I love working from home. It's great. I, you know, do what I want, look out the window. But the bits I really miss that give me energy and are restorative are things like bumping into somebody in a coffee queue, buying a sandwich at lunchtime and walking out of the office. And so I have to kind of like supplement that by going, I should go and cut the grass for 20 minutes or, you know, go and like literally go and watch a soap opera for 15 minutes, which I never get around to doing. But those (laughs) sorts of things that are kind of invisible to the naked eye. and But not everybody gets their energy or their inspiration or their, I don't know, that restorativeness by by just sitting at home looking at a laptop. No, you're right. And I, I think oh, in this in this very, this sort of LinkedIn age, it's you don't really get the following and the clout for having kind of views that are in the middle. <laughs> so I think there is a lot of uh, capital for people to say, you know, Teams should, you know, these are things you should stop doing. Stop just using voice only. And yeah, it, it really, really does depend. And actually, the when we're having coaching sessions with people who are walking, I've, I've always found really helpful. Before the pandemic, I had a fantastic client over in, um, in Newbury, and they have a campus with really nice wooded grounds around them. And every now and then there'd be people that I would have a coaching session with, and we would go for a walk along this woodland path. And I think in a remote more detached world um having you know having an old style phone call that's close we can get to it isn't it mm. really yeah yeah what's your what's I've, I've asked this question of late to various people and i've interviewed them but what what's sort of beckoning you towards something or what are you gravitating towards at the moment what what's kind of like in your vision that you're just thinking mm, that's that's where i'm heading now oh, that's really interesting i've talked about facilitation that's the kind of big thing that i'm i'm into the kinds of work that I, I love doing, I, I like working with those smaller companies that are then growing and realizing, actually, if we the kinds of skills or approaches we needed when we established what we were doing are maybe not the same that we need as we grow. And I, I'm that kind of space between this kind of company and that kind of company, I'm really, really interested in as a consultant and as a coach and working with people in in that sense. I think I think that's fantastic. 
the other thing I'm I'm really interested in. I've, for years, I've been involved in the agile community. I've, I've, I'm really lucky to co-curate and, and organise an agile meetup called the Agile Coaching Exchange for over ten years with with my friend and colleague Helen Meek. And through contributing to that space, you learn a lot about how things change over the over the time and what what agile coaches consider themselves as now compared to then. And I'm really really interested. Over the last five years, agile coaches have spent a lot more time understanding more about this capital C, as I'd call it, coaching. I think the next thing for coaches to think about is how can they mindfully use consulting skills? So in a way that I've, I've talked about here, where you've got that scale of what is a consultant? Is it someone that tells you to do things or you tell to do things and they hand it over to you? Or is it someone that actually works with you and has the skills and the knowledge as needed to help get to that thing that you need doing? And I'm interested in helping the Agile community be a little bit less um, embarrassed or a little bit less uh, cautious around that consulting thing. If you're able to understand the idea that there are different stances and ways of being in a role, I think it's time that we should learn a little bit more about consulting. When is it time that we? there's nothing wrong with us taking a consulting approach? I say with coaches that I work with, I kind of jokingly say, well, you know, if I ask you the time, um, I want you to tell me the time. I don't want you to say to me, well, what time would you like it to be and what is time anyway? And, you know, who, who are we and all that kind of thing? I don't want that existential stuff. There isn't time and a place for you to say, actually, you've got a watch on your wrist. What time is it? Mm, love that. I love how we've come back to time. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, Ben, but um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. If people are interested in finding out more about what Ben's up to, then just go to his website, which is bencook, with an E on the end, dot coach. That's easy to remember. And you can easily get in contact and you can even book a call and send him an email and organise a little Zoom meetup like we did. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Um, looking forward to seeing how some of the things you're working on develop over the coming months. But for the time being, um, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Dom. It's been really, really good to speak to you today. 